0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Zero to Full Time Christian Entrepreneur Podcast. And man, oh man, do I have a treat for you today. I have a phenomenal guest here with me today. We have Amber on the podcast, and she and I are going to be talking about, well, she, she's the expert here. I'm learning right along with you. But she is going to be teaching us all about five myths that are real, have really just been present in the church, surrounding the conversation of money and finances. And to kind of give you a little context here, Amber is an absolute expert when it comes to stewarding money, conversations around money, in a, in a sense that is rooted in biblical truth. And so I'm so excited to have you and myself hear everything that Amber has to say for us today. Um, so again, we are going to be talking about five myths that are common myths in the church around money. Amber is going to bust those myths for us and give us practical action steps to overcome those myths or maybe those limiting beliefs that we are having. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Friend, and welcome to the Zero to Full Time Christian Entrepreneur Podcast, where we dive deep into all things faith, online courses, coaching, and how to make money from home on Instagram. I'm your host, Cammy Wilkie, unapologetic follower of Jesus, wife, dog mom, and your faith-based business coach. If you are tired of your nine-to-five job, living paycheck to paycheck, and you're ready to go full time as an online coach and course creator on Instagram, then you are in the right place. Buckle up and get ready for business building tips, social media hacks, and a whole lot of Jesus. Let's get to work. Amber, welcome, welcome, welcome. I have seriously been looking forward to this interview for a very long time.
1: Hi, Cammie. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for this time and this space. Very excited for the discussion we're about to have.
0: Absolutely. So before we actually get into like the nitty gritty training, I would love if you would kind of give the, the audience and the listeners some background as to who you are and what is what is it that you do here in this online space and where can they
1: find you and follow you? Yes, absolutely. My name is Amber Black and I am a faith-based money mindset and wealth coach for women of faith coaches, consultants, experts, um, and service providers. And what I do, I help women of faith get through some of the religious dogma that has held them back for years in years, I helped them really transform their mindset from a victim to a victor, um, and really undo some of the things that have permeated our culture and unfo- unfortunately, the church.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I really love how we're we're diving into myths that that are present even in the church, and I think that something that the Lord has been showing me specifically over the last year or two. Uh, if you're listening to this years in the future, uh, we are in 2021. Um, we, we have just finished 2020, went through the pandemic. We're kind of still in the midst of it. There's a lot of like political things going on, really a lot of spiritual warfare. And what I've been feeling that the Lord's been laying on my heart is that the reason why it's so important that we go to the Bible is because even in the church, people can speak things that are not biblical truth. And unfortunately it causes um, so much damage because we hold the church at such a high level. But we always need to have Holy Spirit discernment, to, even if somebody in the church says something that is not aligned with the word, that we can not only hear it, understand it, and like immediately take it to the word and like compare it to the word, but also recognizing that the word of God is the only truth. And we are human, and pastors are gonna make mistakes people in the church are going to make mistakes and we're not here to to judge them or, or to speak anything less than them because we're all part of the human club, uh, but just something that, uh, oh, some myths that are believed in the church that affect people in the conversation of finances and also, honestly like entrepreneurship as well. So I would love to just like let you take the stage and walk <laughs> us through some of some of those five myths that you have for us today.
1: Absolutely. So let's get into what I call the most common myth that um, we hear in the church. And that is that money is the root of all evil. And if you have heard it or if you haven't, in some way, shape or form, you have heard thinking around this logic. Um, And what this does is actually a misquoted scripture. So the actual scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. And what God was saying in his word there is that when you love money more than him, there is literally no boundaries, no end to what you will do to get it. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, and I tell this to my clients often, there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting money as long as you are willing to do what it takes to get it so it's absolutely something wrong with wanting money and not wanting to do what it takes to get it so you rob a bank or you um you know you try to get over on the system that is where the root of all evil comes from but if you are a woman of god or man of god who is willing to do what it takes to accumulate that wealth there's absolutely nothing wrong with that so that's a huge myth that I want us to kind of like get into and let's sit here for a little bit because a love of money can show up in many different ways. Um, It can look like hustle culture. So um, that's another myth um, that you have to do more in order to make more. And I think that is one of the biggest issues with traditional schooling, because it teaches you that to accumulate wealth, that wealth is a result of what you do. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I have a um, wealth formula that I call be, do, have. You have to become the person who can do the thing in order to have the wealth, right? But what happens when we go to school, and this is taught from grade school all the way up to college, is that you are taught to believe that the more that I do, the more that I work, the more degrees that I have, the more certifications that I have, that will increase my marketplace value. Mm. And that could not be any further from the truth. In fact, right now in America, most millionaires don't have bachelor degrees. <laughs> like, let's just think about that. <laughs> yeah. Most millionaires, the majority of millionaires in America do not even have the baseline for your degree. Wow. I didn't know that. Right. And most people don't because we are fed this um, doctrine that you have to do this. You have to do that in order to have wealth. Wealth is a state of being. Wealth always is going to occur in your mind before it ever manifests in your life, in the physical. Mm -hmm. And another thing that, uh, sorry, Cammy, this, this, these are just coming up. No, Another absolutely. myth that I hear often is that we believe as Christians that money is a very carnal thing. It's very worldly. I've heard that wealth is worldly. And I must say one common misconception is, and which is, I understand the sentiment, but when you believe that wealth is worldly, you undermine the fact that it's also very spiritual. And what I mean by that is we first hear about money or gold. Gold is first mentioned in Genesis. Okay. Genesis 2:12 to be exact. So I read Genesis, and it says, The gold in that land is good. And I said, Lord, why do you want us to know that there was gold in the garden? And then I thought, Tammy, I said, The two people there, what what were they? What what were Adam and Eve?
0: Man and woman, human. Man and woman,
1: human. And they were married, right? Mm -hmm. And then think about it. There are no stores in the garden, right? Right. I said, Lord, why was there gold in the garden? Gold has universally been the symbol for money. Mm -hmm. And why did you tell us that the gold there was good? And the only obvious answer that the Lord could show me was that abundance is the natural state of a child of God. Why else would it be there? They have gold. They have good gold. There's Mm -hmm. no stores. They're married to each other. So they're not going to, you know, buy and and pay for something, right? They're married to each other. They're not paying the animals. Why? Because God wanted us to know in the second book of his word, that abundance is our natural state of being. So that is why living to paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, or client to client, is so taxing on us. That's why marriages crumble under that. That's why there's depression and anxiety around money. Why do people kill themselves because they are in financial ruin? Mm. Right? Yeah. And that's because. Living in lack, or living in just enough, is literally against the very nature of God. Yeah. It's it literally goes against how we're supposed to be living.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I one thing that really particularly stood out to me what you just said is some finances or a lack thereof or financial stress is oftentimes one of the most common downfalls of marriages. And I am, so I would still say I'm newly married. My husband and I have been uh, married for three and a half years. And for the first two of those three and a half years, we were in financial, I don't want to say crisis, but it was a paycheck to paycheck, classic one bedroom apartment, um, going to the grocery store to buy food to eat for the week was one of the most stressful things that we did in a, in a seven day period. And I remember saying at the very beginning of our marriage that I want to make a lot of money. and I want to make a lot of money for a variety of reasons. but one of the, the most important reasons to me to make a lot of money is because I knew and I understood that one of the most common, causes of, of people having conflict in marriage or even unfortunately that leading to divorce is financial issues within the marriage. And I said that, well, Lucas, we know two things very much for sure. Um, number one, our, our marriage will never end because of a lack of faith in each other. We will always remain faithful to each other. And number two, I want to make sure that our marriage is never on the rocks due to finances. And so that is why I want to make a lot of money. So whatever issues we go through in our marriage, it's never because of infidelity and it's never because of a lack of finances. And the Lord did a big work, a humbling work in us in those first two years. Um, And even though our bank account did not have a whole heck of a lot of zeros in it, there was always provision. Now, Luke and I also were, were very much And we will both say this lukewarm believers for the first two years of our marriage. After those first two years, the Lord really started challenging us to to dig deeper, to understand, to actually start seeking him and just instead of just stopping and being content, oh, I'm a believer, I'm going to heaven, that's it, uh, to actually start seeking him. And so when you said that right there of, you know, uh, finances, if people do not have a healthy relationship with finances, um, it can be the downfall of the most important human relationship that you have on this planet. That, yes, I agree with that. And I have said that for so many years, even if we didn't have a lot of zeros in our bank account at the time. So I really resonate with that.
1: Absolutely. And you know, that's so good. What I love just in you sharing your testimony was that you were bold in saying, I want to make a lot of money. Do you know how many women, particularly women of faith, have fear around just saying that, just thinking that there's so much guilt around wanting more. Mm. And I I love to hear you say that, you said, hey, I wanna make a whole lot of money for various reasons, but so that my marriage will flourish.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because one thing that I have really, really learned in this walk is that as your impact, I'm sorry, as your income increases, so does your impact there is literally a direct correlation. I love the story in Ecclesiastes, um, Solomon is talking about a small city. Mm -hmm. And he says that there was a poor man who was wise and he delivered the city. He literally told the people how to get back their city. But he says, wisdom is better than strength, but a poor man's words are not heard. And I said, oh my goodness, If you are not in a place where you are thriving financially, people, especially the world, they don't care how much you know, right? And I say often, how believers steward our finances is a direct reflection of our ability to witness the goodness of God. Mm. We cannot say that we serve the God with cattle on a thousand hills When we are living in lack, you know what I mean? It's like our life literally doesn't bear the fruit of us serving such a magnificent God. Mm, So when I tell you, I love to hear you say, I want to make a lot of money. I love to hear that because that is your birthright. As I just said in the garden with just two human beings, God put gold there and not just gold. He told us it was good. And I, I just love to hear that this is so, so good. Let's talk about another myth because um, hearing you talk about your desire for it really charges me up mm-hmm. because another myth that we hear often from children growing up is that money doesn't grow on trees. Mm, okay, yes, i definitely heard that right? one before. Absolutely. And what that does at a very young age is it teaches us that money is limited. It teaches us that there's never enough to go around. You will have to, um, another thing I've heard frequently, rob Peter to pay Paul. So there's this mindset that there's never enough money anyway. So why, so it makes us believe, why should I even pursue it? because it literally, what it's teaching your mind to think is that lack is just natural, lack is normal. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it, it truly is not when you are a woman and ch- child and man of God. Um, in mm-hmm. Proverbs 10, 22, one of my favorite, favorite scriptures, it says the blessings of the Lord maketh one rich. And that's, I love to sit in that and I love to meditate on that particular verse. Because it removes the fear and the guilt of wanting more. Mm-hmm. It removes some of the barriers that we put up against ourselves. Um, Some of us think or have thought in the past, if I have more, that means someone else has less. And that could not be further from the truth. And what also happens with the thinking that money doesn't grow on trees, we think that We just need to have enough money to be comfortable. Mm. We think that, well, all I need is enough to get by. And what God had to really show me is that, because I said that for years, and let me tell you, I literally had just enough to get by. Literally. Because your words and your thoughts create your reality. That's Proverbs 23 and 7. As a man thinketh, so, is he. But I say that to say, God had to show me that in me wanting just enough to get by, Whereas I thought I was being giving and giving someone else a shot to get more, I was actually being selfish. Mm, okay, how so? And here's why: when I only have enough for me, I don't have anything to give. Okay, I see the light bulb there. Right. I see it. I see it. Right. When I'm struggling to make ends meet for myself, I can't help my sister in Christ. I can't help my brother in Christ because I literally only have enough for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I started to really get that new mindset, that was when I had my cami moment and I said, okay, I want to make a lot of money. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh my gosh, I resonate with that so much. Um, so many things running through my mind. But I actually did a Bible study last night with some of my clients, and one of the things we talked about is the fruit of the spirit. And we were talking about, you know, what it. I want you to seek the Lord on behalf of your business for the rest of this year. Literally, sit before the Lord and say, God, what do you have for me for the rest of 2021? And some of them came to the Bible study with things written down. Some of them um, were going to go to sit in the Lord's presence this week. But I said, I took out two highlighters. One of them was orange, one of them was blue. And one of the questions that they had was, how do we know if the plans that are written down are my idea or the Lord's idea? And so I took them to Galatians, Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the spirit. But right above it, it also talks about what happens when our flesh is in control. And so I told them, I said, take two highlighters, two different highlighters. And I want you to honestly look at the plans that are written out here on your paper and highlight in blue everything that is tied to sin. And we went through probably like 20 different sins that are, that are quite literally listed in Galatians, Uh, drunkenness, enviness, idleness, uh, sexual impurity. And the list goes on jealousy, everything that is part of your plan that is either rooted in one of those sins or motivated by one of those sins or anything like that, highlight that in blue. And then I want you to go down into the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, so on and so forth, self-control, and highlight everything that is rooted in and motivated by the fruit of the spirit in orange. You can be for sure that because our flesh is not even capable of producing fruit of the spirit on our own, we are sinful, sinful beings by nature. It says that in scripture. We can only produce good things with the Holy Spirit in us. Mm -hmm. So everything that is written in blue, you can be sure that that's your flesh. Mm -hmm. Everything in orange, you can be sure that that is the Holy Spirit in you. And so what, what came to my mind as you were speaking there is, why do you want the money? Do you want the money to buy the Ferrari to push it in the face of the people that made fun of you in high school? Or do you want... What do you want to do with the money? So, okay, so you want to have a six-figure company. What then? Where are you going to sow that money? And that I believe asking ourselves why really will, will reveal the root of the fruit. Is it evil fruit or is it good fruit? So wanted to put that in there, but oh my gosh, Amber, that like resonated really,
1: really hard with me. Awesome. No, that's so good. Um, And that is definitely one of the things that I'm going to talk about later on um, in the podcast of how you can really overcome these money blocks. But I love what you said, getting to the root of the desire. Mm -hmm. And that's so, so big because many of us don't know where these desires come from. It could be from people we follow on Instagram or, you know, the TV shows that we watch are we idolizing their lifestyles, right? And its I love that you call them to sit at the foot of Jesus and really say, Lord, what is it your will for me? Um, one thing that I love to tell my clients is it's not about a figure, it's about your capacity. In 2 Kings, we learn about a woman whose husband has died. They're about to come take her kids. And she goes to Elisha and she says, hey, I'm I'm poor. I, I What do I do? And he says, what do you have? And she says, I don't have anything but some oil. And he tells her, hey, gather some pots and, and vessels and fill them. And as she does that, she asks for another vessel. And then there were no more vessels, right? And so it, the Bible says the oil ceased. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that because we will only be able to pour out at the capacity of which we can receive that's good you know and, and so often we want more and we want more but we don't have the capacity to hold it right we're not a vessel that can hold that very thing so i love 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 that you touched on that i'm um, so i mean you're really doing this for me Kim, because you are on it sister well i w-
0: believe me i am learning i am like and you guys, we're on a Zoom call right now. So like Amber and I can see each other. But like when she talks, I'm like, I am like honed in on what she's saying. Because this is something that like, I am not an expert in. I'm not, I, I, the Lord has been teaching me a lot of things around finances and rooted in biblical scripture. But it, it, I'm something, I'm still just scratching the surface of. So I'm learning right along with the listeners here on how to steward this. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Um, So let's talk about another myth that, has been permeated in the church. um, And I personally feel um, mispreached, if that were a word. Um, And it is the story of the rich young ruler. Okay. Where um, that's in Matthew as well. And he comes and he says, Lord, you know, I've done all of these things as my youth. How can I, you know, be seated with you? And Jesus says, you know, you have to give up your things, give up your possessions and follow me. Mm -hmm. And the scripture says that he ran away sorrowful because his possessions were many. And so, what has happened, um, many leaders um, and teachers have taken that out of context. Because what we have to do with that particular parable or story, rather, we have to read that scripture in its totality. A couple of scriptures down, Jesus talks to the disciples and he says, Hey, you know, it, it's harder for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. But in the very next, literally the very next scripture, it says, but to man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so when I say it's been taken out of context, um, we typically have the mindset that, the wealthy people and the rich people are not saved. Um, and we really developed this religion that I call poverty is piety, meaning there is virtue in being in, in poverty. There's a virtue in barely making ends meet because we see the fate of this rich young ruler. But here's the thing. What Jesus was saying there is that God is not against you having things. He's against those things having you. So it's a heart posture, right? That rich young ruler, his heart was in his treasure, right? His treasure were his possessions. And what has happened, unfortunately, in church culture, I guess I would say, is that we've adopted that one rich young ruler, and we've created a whole doctrine around it, so that we make people believe that it's safe to be poor, that it's safe to not want more for yourself, right? Because we have misunderstood that particular story. Does that
0: make sense? Yeah, it does. It doesn't. And this is why it's so important that we go to the word regularly because imagine all the people sitting in church, listening to a pastor, miss represent scripture and they're going to just take him at his word instead of actually going to the word but if they studied the lord's word if they meditated on the lord's word if they asked the lord for revelation then they would have the holy spirit discernment to say hey actually what this man is saying whether whether it is intentional or not intentional is not actually biblically accurate it's taken 100 out of context and so Again, guys, this is why it's so important that you don't just go to church. Like, yes, go to church. That's important. But but study scripture so that you can discern when something is being off, shared with you that is off.
1: Oh, that's so good. And, you know, there's also a scripture in the Bible where it says you must study to show yourself approved. And that approved means that when we stand before Jesus on the day of judgment, that we are approved by the knowledge of his word Mm -hmm. because it, it will never be enough to say, well, this is what my preacher said. This is what my pastor said. God is always going to push it back on us. And that's why I love reading the gospels because oftentimes when people go to Jesus in scripture and they're asking, Hey Lord, you know, I want to be healed. God always, always, always pushes it back on the person he'll ask a question and says, well, what do you believe? Right? Or he'll say, according to your faith, so be it unto you. So what that means and what that tells us is that God never responds to need. He always responds to faith. Hmm. And so I find solace in that Um, And and in Kami, we were speaking about, you know, crazy faith and things like that from Transformation Church. Yeah. I find solace in that it doesn't matter what's going on around me. As long as I have faith strong enough to believe in God's word, which means I'm doing the actions because we know that faith without works is dead. Right. Mm -hmm. As long as I have the faith to believe in what I'm seeking and the action that backs it up. God is almost, I hate to say obligated, but yeah, you know what, I'm going to say that God is obligated to do that thing because his word says that his word cannot return to him void, right? It cannot, it literally, it has to fulfill what it set out to accomplish. So I love that we, you know, touched on that, Cami, because oftentimes we don't talk about the misrepresentation of scripture, and how easy it is to kind of go down a rabbit hole and create a false theology around one man's or one woman's perception of the scripture. Mm-hmm. So it's so good. I love, love, love that you touched on that. And speaking of that, you know, what? something just popped up in my mind as well. Another myth that we're taught in school. And guys, I am not anti-school. Okay. <laughs> I am not anti-school. But another thing that is very popular starting in grade school is the thinking that knowledge is power. Right? Have you heard that game? I have. I have heard that. Right. And you know what the Lord just dropped in my spirit. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. So what I mean by that is that knowledge means nothing if you don't apply it. Mm -hmm. Same with faith. Faith means nothing if you don't apply it. Um, and that's something that I feel is very, very, um, it's a touchy subject in today's culture. I call it the manifest culture. Mm-hmm. Just the thinking that you can think a thing and then think some magical universe that happens for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the creator of the universe tells us that faith without works is dead. So affirmations will never be enough, right? We're always going to have to do the work. We're always going to have to um, really put that knowledge into action. And I say that because I believe that oftentimes we have this false sense of achievement where we think a thing and we say, well, we have, I have faith for it. God's just going to make it happen. Um, Yeah, God is not a genie in a bottle, okay? He is not Christina Aguilera. Let's be real here, okay? (laughs) You have to put the action to it. And again, I talk about my wealth um, equation. We do have, God wants us to be the people who can do the work. Because in this word, he says that the, what is it, Kami, help me with this. The harvest is plentiful, Mm -hmm. But the laborers are few. Yeah. The laborers are few. There's so few people who want to do this work out of fear of being canceled, out of fear of being talked about. You know what I mean? That, that fear literally paralyzes some people to act. And, and I say that fear paralyzes action. Faith propels the action, right? When your faith is bigger than your fear, you have no choice but to act. It's, it's like you wake up ready for whatever because you know that if God is for you, no one can be against you. And even if they are, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, because you have the king of kings backing you. So I just kind of wanted to deviate really quickly um, because knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. I just yeah. wanted to give that quick little shift. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: that scripture of the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. It brings me back to why are the laborers few? When you were mentioning, a lot of times it's rooted in fear: fear of being canceled, fear of being talked about, fear of rejection, and um, fear of enter the blank here, whatever that is. And I was talking with my clients last night. Is that um, many of us? One of the one of the most common objections that I think. Um, Coaches probably in general here, and maybe not every coach, but probably a common objection just in the coaching space as a whole is it's just not a good time for me. And I had a client that told me that she, that her lead or the person that she was talking with told her that the Lord had laid it on her spirit four times to start taking action on a thing. But she felt that it just wasn't the right time. What what she is essentially what she is essentially saying here, whether consciously or unconsciously, is a God made a mistake by picking this time, and b that God doesn't know what I already have on my plate, so I, I just have to te- tell the Lord, hey, it's just not a good time for me. And what we need to understand is that we do not serve a God of convenience. He 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 cares. I'm not going to say he doesn't care. He absolutely cares about every single inch and detail of your life. And he's fully aware of what you have on your plate. And he did not make a mistake by giving you an assignment, even if you are perceiving that it is the wrong time. That is a you issue. God didn't make the mistake. And so, for whatever it is that is holding you back from doing the labor or doing the work, recognize that there is no lack of blessing to be had, there is no lack of clients. There is no lack of just because that coach signed another client that the, the, the market is not too saturated. What a fill in the blank, whatever excuse we have here, you are holding yourself back. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that we have to humble ourselves and come to a realization of.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. I just told my husband a few days ago. Um, how many times do we let our emotions speak louder than God's voice? Mm. And that is such a scary place to be in where we let this carnal man and carnal woman take over what God has told us to do. And then we wonder why we struggle, right? God has given us the recipe. He's given us the formula for success. But because, like you said, because of that fear, we it stops us. It paralyzes us. It causes us that anxiety and the fear of the unknown is what stops so many, so many of us from going out, um, from doing what God has told us. And I can honestly say I was your client's lead years ago. I had, I've actually been doing this for so long. Um, and God called me and I'm like, God, I don't want to do this. Like money mindset is so you know hard for believers. You know, like, no people are going to talk about me. They're going to call me a prosperity preacher, and I don't preach. You know, and all of these other things. Um, it it really took Cami, no lie, um, about three just random instances where God had to humble me completely to a place where I I couldn't run anymore. You know, I I call it a Moses moment mm-hmm. where there was no nothing I could do but run toward the problem. And I think that's another myth that so many of us um, face. We think that if God told us to do something that is glittering rainbows and we forget that Jesus himself, his purpose was exhausting. You know, um, Jesus came to be the fulfillment of the law. Right. And to literally be the lamb. And the night before he was crucified we see him going to the father and saying if there's any other way let's do it that way right mm. we 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 read about him sweating as pools of drops of blood you know what i mean so we hear that jesus the perfect man he even ran from his not ran from his purpose he didn't want to fulfill his purpose right he he did not want to face that rejection, that ridicule, um, that pain. But in doing that, um, that was where the change was, right? So I just wanna say that messy middle, that um, that place of agony, that's where the blessing is. The very thing that we run from, that's where the blessing is. That's what we should be running to. And I think that unfortunately, Satan has really done a work on us as humans Um, and on our mindset that we think that because we're working for God, it has to be easy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but nowhere in scripture do we see that, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, you guys, that wraps up part one of my interview with Amber, and it was so, so good. And so just to summarize In this episode, part one, Amber gave us the five most common myths that Christians are believing in the church surrounding money. Now in the next episode, part two, that's going to be coming out next week, she is going to give us five practical ways to overcome each one of those myths. So stay tuned for the next episode, and I will see you next time on the Zero to Full Time Christian Entrepreneur Podcast.